1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think.
0: Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: This is a View from the Bullens podcast. Listen to all the news, views, and inside track from Goodison Park.
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to another episode from A View from the Bullens with myself, Ben Stanley, hosting. And I'm absolutely delighted to have Tactically Matt on from Tactically Everton, who has the hardest, most difficult job in the world of looking at everton's strengths weaknesses and their layout and tactics for every game matt straight away to yourself everton had a very difficult season last year a lot more negatives than positives you have the difficult situation of obviously and analyzing every single game everton played could you obviously put into context what were the strengths and what were the weaknesses of last season and where do we need to strengthen going forward next
1: <laughs> yeah, strengths isn't the uh, easiest thing to look at after last season. But um, I think, the, unfortunately, the m- majority of our strengths, we didn't see till probably the last 25%. And I think what we saw is a lot of the players we maybe questioned over the last year, um, questions their commitment, you know, whether they actually cared about the club. I think they sort of came out and and you really started to notice, OK, maybe we've judged them, you know, wrongly, you know, likes of Alex Awabi, you got a lot of stick and a lot of stick from a lot of fans. And he took that opportunity the last sort of maybe 10 games, 12 games and said, look, you know, I haven't had a a fair chance and I'm going to take this chance and I'm going to run with it. And, you know, players like that, we saw come through the likes of Anthony Gordon, Jordan Pickford, even Mason Holgate at times. And I think that's one of the strengths and weaknesses is Lampard's now been able to see what characters we've got in the dressing room right now. And, you know, we've, we've heard him speak about it in interviews. It's about getting the right characters. And that's why, whatever you think of him as a player, I think that's why Tarkowski's been brought in because it's clear that he's a leader. He's, you know, he's going to bring that character in the dressing room, the, you know, want to win and professionalism and experience. And I think that's the route we're going to be going, going down now is getting a few of them players in, getting a few young lads in, and they can all mould and help each other. But yeah, in, t- in terms of weaknesses, it's just, you know, unfortunately the mentality of a lot of players, I'm not going to name names. I don't think it's it's the right place to just be calling people out. But, you know, the the set pieces is a massive thing we need to work on. Again, a good reason to bring in Tarkowski. Um the, the lack of chances we created, I mean, you know, we've got some exciting players, lots of Gray and Gordon, but in terms of actually creating chances, we, we don't see enough of it. And you can blame, OK, Cavaloon being injured. There's no one to put the ball in the net. But the fact of the matter is they're not creating the chances. So I think, you know, the, the mentality, leadership and characters and chance creation is four sort of things that Lampard's really going to be looking for this summer. Um, in terms of transfers and you know by the looks of things it, it looks like we're already sort of sort of getting there so yeah
0: it's a bit of a positive. Yeah that, that I completely agree I think obviously what you've touched on there the likes of Alex Awobi, I think he was sensational Um it's like as if a penny dropped for Alex Awobi and he realised if he ran round and pressed high pressed hard put the groundwork in that the Everton fans will get behind him and he seemed to grow in confidence he went from a for me, a bit of a scared boy to a, to a man. And I th- he completely felt the, the warmth and the energy from the Goodison crowd, which literally transformed him as a player. And another player, again, that you quite rightly spoke about was Mason Holgate. And, and I think that Mason Holgate's rise in form from them, that the running, and especially when Lampard came into the team, has gone massively unnoticed. I think he was arguably one of the, the main starters in the centre-half position during the running. And he stood up to the plate, he, he turned up, he put tackles in, he was ferocious, he wanted the ball. I know for a fact we could say, oh, well, he just lumps it up the field and he goes long. But that's coming from the manager, that the manager clearly wanted him to get the ball up the pitch as quick as possible. Because I think we realised after Burnley that we couldn't really play nice football, nice fancy football. We couldn't play possession football with the current crop of players that we had. And Lampard went, right, scrap the tactics that I've come in and tried to implement. We need to go back to basics. And it worked. It kept us in the Premier League. and These players stood up to the mark, like you quite rightly said. And you look back to what Andros Townsend said uh, on TalkSport recently. Lampard came in at a really bad time. The, The players were down in the dumps. They couldn't buy a win. Everything they were trying wasn't working. There was a lot of negativity around the dressing room they looked like the players lacked a lot of confidence. And for a manager to come into a dressing room like that and normally get the manager bounced, it didn't come. must have been extremely, extremely difficult. So the players stepped up to the mark. They dragged us over the line. But we need to change massively this summer. So for you, Matt, you've studied Everton's games, unfortunately for yourself, throughout the whole of last year. What areas and what positions do you think that we need to prioritise in this summer transfer window?
1: Yeah, so I think you obviously mentioned there about obviously Holgate being instructed to go long, and we saw a lot of Michael Keane, and I think partly is true, um, but I think throughout not throughout the whole season we've been asked to play this way. I think you know sometimes when Lampard first came in, he was trying to implement this style, and it wasn't necessarily the the two centre halves or the three centre halves fault for having to go long every time. I, I picked up on this on Twitter the other day and just looking through some old games and and trying to see, you know, why we were going long so much and why we had a lack of possession. And it's not entirely to do with the centre-backs just going long. It's when you've got no midfielders in there who are looking to get on the ball, who are willing to take the ball on the half-turn and play, and are willing to take the ball when they've got one or two men around them, and willing to show wherever they are on the pitch, you're going to have to go long. And it's as simple as that. And we saw so many cases, especially when we played a midfield too. Um, you know, we had Gomez and Decore was one of the examples I picked up and neither of them were, were happy to, you know, come in and, and receive the ball. They'd stand so far away and not offering themselves and not making an angle. So I think strengthening wise is, it's obviously something we all bang on about. And, you know, a lot of a lot of Twitter are exactly the same now. Um, is obviously that number six. And I think it's just going to bring the best out of every, like a selection of players, because like I mentioned, it's going to, you're going to see the centre arts be able to play. Then they're not just going to be pumping a ball off. It means we can look after the ball a bit more. We're going to see the likes of maybe Alan and DeCore hopefully having a bit of resurgence resurgence in form. So they've both dropped off, and you're allowing them to get into more advanced positions. Alan, that's where he's best is is. He's not best when he's, you know, between the two centre-backs. He's best when he's further forward. The core at the start of the season, we saw him bombing on a bit and then it just dropped off. And that's where you want these players. And if we're going to bring in a creative midfielder or a box-to-box midfielder, or we're going to find a place for Awobi and Ali, we're going to need a holding midfielder who can break up play but can also take the ball and play with it. And, yeah, I think that's our most vital position. And then box-to-box midfielder as well. We've got the likes of Alan Decore, who maybe could play that position. But, they're, you know, Alan's going to be 32 this season. Decoray's going to be 30 this season. They've both shown signs that they are probably past their prime. So if we can get a young, uh, maybe a bit versatile number eight, box-to-box, number 10, can play in all these positions... I think that's going to be a really important signing. Um, who that will be, I don't know. Maybe Morgan Gibbs White, someone like that. Um, I think there are two most important positions at the moment. Obviously, we're going to have to replace for Charleston, Um, but yeah, them them three positions for me are the the, the vital ones for us to strengthen that.
0: I think you're absolutely right. Again, the the number six position for me. I think a lot of Twitter is now banging onto it. I don't think we've actually replaced. Gareth Barry, from that position for all that then many years ago. I know with Dresa Garnaguet, came in, but like you said, he was quite similar to Alan in, in the respect that he liked to, to push hard, press high. And he they weren't strict in their positioning. Um, Garnaguet was exceptional for Everton, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't a traditional number six, whereas the likes of, I know we had Fabian Delph last year, who tried to sit in front of the back four. And when he did play there, played really well, just he couldn't stay fit. He continued to get injured. And we couldn't risk playing them all the time. You look at the United game when Del sat in front of the back four. We performed really well, kept the clean sheets. And that was something that Everton couldn't do last year. We could not, for the, for the life of us, keep a clean sheet. So I agree with you there. I'd like to bring in a, a number six to, to protect that back four, to allow our fullbacks to bomb on. You look at the best teams around the world. They all seem to play a, a 4 three, 3 shall we say, with the full-backs bombing on. But every single good team in this league and around Europe has a dominant number six who sits in the hole and fills in either side on the left and the right, spots the danger early and nullifies it. And that's a position where Everton haven't had for, for such a long period of time. I also think we need a right winger. I think for a while we had, obviously, numerous people linked in regards to a left-footed right winger. I think we need a lot more creativity, but like also like a box-to-box midfielder. I know I'm being very greedy in this, but... I do feel like we need four or five players to come in, not squad players. I feel like we need to improve the start on 11. You've mentioned, obviously, Gibbs White. I've had a little nose at his stats and and his figures. And he can play as that box to box midfielder. He can play in that 10 role. And he's also had predominantly a few dribs and drabs on the right wing as well. And his stats read very well, very creative. Had a, a brilliant season last year with Sheffield United in the championship. So that could be an option we explore. We're also very light in the striker departments. Obviously, we've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who Frank Lampard is a massive fan of. But his backup is obviously Solomon Rondon, who, as we spoke about last season, is okay in certain games playing low opposition. But sometimes in certain big games, doesn't give the likes of Dominic Calvert-Lewin the break that he needs and what Frank Lampard wants to implement because they're completely two different styles of centre-forwards. So, Matt, it's going to be extremely difficult for, obviously, Kevin Felwell, Frank Lampard, and obviously Everton have a lot of implications over their financial fair play, Premier League profit and loss sustainability, and other clubs knowing them implications that are hanging over the head of Everton Football Club. What kind of strategies do you think Everton will implement? Obviously, we've signed Tarkowski on a free, which I'm absolutely over the moon with. I think it's a great bit of business, but there's obviously a lot of other free players out there who are... 28, 29 years of age. The most obvious one is Jesse Lingard, who we've been linked with. Obviously, in the ideal world, we'd all like young, hungry players to come in, but you're going to be demanding big fees. So how would you, if you're Kevin Felwell, split between experience and youth and obviously using the money wisely?
1: Well, yeah, that's the the difficult situation because you can't build a team full of youngsters. You can't keep signing players with little sell-on value, because that's what's got us in this mess. So I think it, it's got to be that mix. And the Tarkowski signing is, is part of that. You know, it's, it's a free transfer. He's not going to be around forever, but, you know, four-year deal, not ridiculous wages. You know, we don't have necessarily have to worry about selling him on. Someone like Morgan Gibbs-White, for example, yeah, it's probably going to cost us a fair amount. He's got a high ceiling. There's a good chance we could make some money off him, but he will, you know, he'll improve the team immediately. So it it needs to be players that will improve this squad right now, but there is a good chance we've we've got sell-on value on them because obviously, like I said, it's what's got us in this mess right now. And you know, it is doable. Clubs do it. You look at Brentford, for example, they Target these lower league players or academy players, and they develop them. They give them a platform to express themselves, and if they get the right bidding for them, they're gone. You look at Ollie Watkins, Edwin Concert, Neil Mope, Ben Rama. you know they all all were bought for low fees or whatever, and sold them on, and they were happy to do that because they knew right we've got someone else that we can target now, low fee young player, we'll develop them, we'll give them that platform to succeed. And then if they get a bigger move, they get a bigger move. And it's what's got Brentford into the Premier League. You know, that money that they're receiving from these players is now allowed them to continue to invest. And now they're doing the same, now they're in the Premier League. They're obviously signing, looks like they're signing Lewis Potter, um, Aaron Hickey from Bologna, another exciting young player. Um, And they've proven it can work. They stayed in the Premier League straight away. They added a bit of experience in in Ericsson in January, which sort of saw them over the line and made them uh, comfortable towards the end. So, yeah, it's about about finding that mix because, you know, everyone cries out, oh, let's get these young, hungry players from Europe. But you do need that little bit, you know, of a mixture. It just can't be, if we're going for these older, experienced players, it can't be the likes of, Theo Walcott on X amount a week who we're going to end up letting go for free or Czech Tosin or, you know, Andre Gomez, for example. It's got to be players that we're getting them really, really cheap on a decent wage and they're going to affect the squad. Or, like I said, someone with high selling value. So, yeah, it's not going to be easy. Um, You know, a, a lot of people are crying out, why aren't we looking in Europe? I can almost guarantee we absolutely will be. You know, you might just not be hearing it in the media and they might be, you know, not able to find the right player. You have to find the right player. You have to find the right characters now. Farewell and Lampard have both spoke about it. It's not just about what they do on the pitch. It has to be the right mentality and character now. And after last season, I couldn't agree more. And if it takes some time, then so be it. If the right players aren't available in Europe, so be it. You know, we have to to trust them now. I know it's difficult to trust people at Everton after what's happened over the last few years, but it does seem like there's a change going on. And I think your podcast yesterday with the Bobble speaking to um, was it Carl Thomas, Um, I think, you know, he was being open and honest and he said, look, I I can promise you that it is changing. And he's experiencing that himself with some of his clients. So we have to have faith that they will hopefully – make the change and you know we'll start to see sort of forward steps in the next sort of few months few years
0: yeah it was a brilliant episode Jesse. one of my favorites so far from the podcasting world that was really good insightful information um, and it, i agree with you again it was really good to hear that obviously there is change at the academy level we can see that there's 11 12 youngsters now in the under 18s and under 21 setup who are now signing contracts and i understand that people might go out for the Lewis Gibson, for example, he's pushing towards that Matthew Pennington age and he's, why is he signing a deal? He, he's going to drag on. But look, these loan deals will will all add up and if he, he has a really good season out on loan and any of these other youngsters, it can generate interest and generate revenue. I hate to link to them again, but Liverpool do it brilliant, brilliantly. They obviously got a lot of money now for Williams, who's going to... Um, Nottingham Forest for nearly 16, 17 million pounds. Just imagine if Everton could receive a fee like that for one of our youngsters. That that's how an academy should work, and that's how I want Everton's academy to actually really work. And I actually think of how they can improve the youngsters themselves, and not have managers obviously within that setup who are just after personal gain. And that's no slide dig of anyone because it's a business at the end of the day. Not personal accolades for an under 23 manager. It's all about the development of youth, but. Touching on, obviously, you mentioned about talent in Europe, Matt. Obviously, for me and over at Everton, it's quite frustrating, isn't it, that it seems that we just watch match of the day highlights and go after the generic Premier League top six player who is currently on the fringe at the moment. But do you think Everton are a bit nervous and scared to obviously go out into Europe and sign the next best thing due to the high levels of risk that could potentially be involved?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely what I believe is the case. I think a club like Brighton, for example, that you see them all the time, they're signing players, which the majority of fans in in world football wouldn't have heard of. And, you know, then they develop them and, you know, they've got so many young players from South America and everywhere. And a lot of them aren't in the first team right now. And, you know, a lot of them are sat on the bench or they're in the under-23, and that's fine. But... At the moment, they're not really, a lot of them, improving their first-team squad. They've still got the majority of players in their first-team squad that have been there, you know, for a few years now. Obviously, the likes of Mark Kukurea, but, you know, they're paying, you know, a decent amount of money for him. He's obviously improved their squad, but a lot of the players they target aren't ready, and that's what will happen if you're looking for low fees and you're taking calculated risks on sort of low-value players with decent potential. There's a, there's a very good chance they're going to come to England... And not be ready. Um, So I think, although Morgan Gibbs White, for example, hasn't played a lot of Premier League football, you know, he's living in England. He's comfortable in England. You know, he'll know some players from from Everton. I know he knows Anthony Gordon quite well. It's little things like that which help players settle in. You know, as soon as he arrives, he knows a few people. I think he obviously knows Kevin Fellwell. but, you know, it's not just him, it's just an example, but it, it is a risk and that's why it is a calculated risk. And, you know, that's why they often don't cost too much money. But, yes, I think for Brighton, for example, again, they they can take that risk right now because they've sort of established themselves and they're, they're not going to go down. They're pushing for sort of, you know, top half. And right now we've just, we were a couple of games away from being relegated. So I I just don't think they want to take that risk. I think these risks should have been taken three or four years ago. You know, when, when a lot of money was being spent on high-value players, this is when we should have been, you know, taking the risk. And we were comfortable in the Premier League. We hadn't been floating with relegation for a while, really, apart from a little period when Allardyce came in. But, you know, around the time where we were finishing 10th, 8th, around then... And these players that we we would have invested in, invested in could be first team ready right now. Um, but at the moment, look, I understand it's frustrating and I, I do agree a lot of the time that the same old names come up and, you know, the same names that have, you know, they're sat on the bench for clubs that we should be competing with, the likes of Winks and Lingard. I fully, I do fully understand people's frustration, but I just think they don't feel they're in a position to take the risk at the moment. So it wouldn't surprise me to see if we are only, you know, we only do bring in players from England at this current time. Um, But I can almost guarantee, like I said earlier, that they will be looking at players. They will be looking at players abroad. You know, they've got, you know, they're
0: a Premier League club. You've mentioned there, Morgan Gibbs White, and obviously Amanda Broger. Um, Broger's obviously flew out to Chelsea to be with their squad, but is under heavy interest from Everton Football Club, along with Gibbs White. What are your thoughts on, obviously, these profiles we're targeting, and how do you think Everton potentially could set up with this in mind? But obviously, Broger, obviously, a main striker, and Gibbs White is predominantly a midfielder that scores a lot of goals and gets a lot of assists. What, what do you think Lampard's obviously looking at with identifying these types of players?
1: Well, it's, you know, it's the strategy that they've they've been speaking about, and you know, we've we've heard for a, a while now about the young, hungry players, and you know, these these lads are just sort of starting off their careers, and you know, I completely understand why they're going for these sort of players. Um, like I said, Brojas, you know, proved himself a little bit in the Premier League. Morgan Gibbs White proved himself in the Championship, and done. You know, he hasn't just proved himself; he done really well last season. So. Obviously, his versatility is so useful as well. He's played a host of positions, like you've you've mentioned. Um, so yeah, I think the difficulty with Brozier, for example, the majority of his time he spent playing through the middle. And I've seen little bits online where obviously he's played in a in a striker partnership, a duo for Southampton. And he often drifts out wide to look to target maybe a fullback, uses his strength against a smaller fullback, for example. But he's never really played as a, as a wide man. So it's quite, it's quite difficult to see him, you know, fitting into the team in a sort of starting 11, um, especially with Calvert Lewin there. Because I can't see us playing two up front, really, um, unless he's planning to sort of, you know, maybe develop Brozier into a sort of left sided winger, left sided inside forward. Um, because like i said he, he has sort of he did sort of do that during games it just wasn't his position on paper if you know what i mean so um yeah in terms of him you know like i said i can't see a, a, a striker partnership for us but he, he he could potentially play in that sort of left forward role if we're playing the sort of three four 3 and we have two players just behind the striker that, that pull out wide like you could have brozier and an alley for example ali's best playing off the striker like that um but yeah Morgan Gibbs White I think in a midfield free would work would work brilliantly but again you'd need that defensive you know force behind him because he, he prefers to get forward it's you know he, he didn't score 20 goals and, uh, and assists last season in 33 games for you know for no reason you know he loves getting into the box he loves um, taking players on, so defensively he's going to be a little bit of a liability if he's bombing on. So you do need to partner him with the right players. Um, obviously, he's played he's played right wing at times, which is useful. He's played up front sometimes, you know, as a, in a in a in a partnership, he's played a sort of false nine role, just dropping off the striker. So I think I think targeting these sort of players where they can play multiple positions is going to be so important you know, because we can't spend a lot of money. So we can't go, right, we need a centre mid, left back, right back, centre back, and just buy all these positions. So if a player like Gibbs White can cover three or four positions, has a high ceiling, potential sell-on value, then, you know, it, it makes sense to be, be targeting this sort of player. Um, But yeah, the, they're the sort of two that are being thrown about at the moment. And obviously there's Emmanuel Dennis and, it seems to have cooled a little bit from a media perspective, but again, he's a player who can play in multiple positions off the left, off the right, through the middle. So targeting these sort of players who are in a decent age bracket, um, it makes a lot of sense to me and it, it's, it is quite positive compared to being linked to Lingard and, and Winks and, you know, these sort of players where we'll be paying them high wages and, you know, they're their ceilings aren't very, very high. Realistically, they've either peaked or, you know, they're they're in their prime now and and not, you know, they're not at an elite level. So um, yeah, I think I think the players we're being linked with now, it's definitely a positive and definitely something to be happy about.
0: Versatility. You use that word during your answer. Then I think once again, I think that's what Everton are looking for. You obviously mentioned the manual Dennis as well. Um, obviously he can play across the front three. And another player that we've been obviously linked with that hasn't really progressed, obviously Zinchenko from Man City now. He can obviously play in a wide range of positions as well across the central midfield and can fill it left-back. And I think you're quite right once again. I've been saying that quite a lot throughout this podcast. You've been saying some excellent points as always, but I, I do think that's going to be Everton's strategy. Not that I've been told X, Y and Z, this is just my initial, my gut feeling, that Everton are looking to bring in players to fill the voids of a number of positions. So, for example, if someone gets injured on a right winger or whatever, a certain player that we bought in the summer can slot in that position straight away and obviously train and train and be used and not be hung out to dry in essence. Because I think for the likes of when we went to five at the back against Crystal Palace in the FA Cup, I think they dropped Anthony Gordon back to like a wing back and it just was not his game. He seemed a bit lost. But if you've got these players who can come in, who are used to playing in different roles, are used to playing higher up the pitch or further back. I think you're absolutely right again. It's it's all about getting the right profile that's going to cover a number of positions. And on to the next topic is obviously Everton's youth. The the, the teams obviously flew out to America on Monday. There's obviously a lot of excitement over the youth that have traveled. What, what are your views on the academy, Matt, at the moment? And where do you think the youth and the current crop of players we've got could feature amongst the first team going forward? And could we save some money from the current crop of players you've got coming through? Yeah,
1: I think, I think our, academy, our academy's had a lot of stick over the last few years. But, you know, I've watched a lot of the academy games probably over the last year. And, it's, you know, there's a lot of young, young players in there. Some lads are sort of 17, you know, 18 in an under-23 squad. And obviously in the past, we've had players that are 22, 23 filling it. And um, I think obviously that's where you go back to talking about, oh, just wanting to win that league rather than develop talent. But it does seem to to be changing for sure. You know, we had a 16-year-old player at times, Emilio Lawrence, who looks like he's going to um, Manchester City, but... You know, we're playing a 16-year-old in an under-23s squad. So I think it, there is a there is an island development now. And that's why we're seeing the likes of Warrington, Price, Welch, Dobbin, all in the squad. You know, not all teams are doing this, by the way. You know, I was looking through some of the other squads and pre-season squads, and I think Southampton released theirs today. And there was only sort of one or two lads from the um, sort of under-18s or under-23s, really. The rest of it was filled with first team. So, the fact that we've got so many players, possibly down to the fact our squads a bit depleted now, but it is exciting to see they're taking they're taking a lot of players and they're including a, a lot of youngsters. Um, but I think it's it is difficult to tell whether these players are going to play a part. Um, the likes of Warrington, obviously, I've made it no secret my opinions on him on on Twitter in recent months. Um, and I watched a lot of his games for Tranmere, and the unfortunately, unfortunately, it is a, a golfing class between League Two and the Premier League. But the signs are there. The, the way he plays is it's not a League Two level. You know, he's it's not as if he's he's obviously got a, a lot more time on the ball than he get, but he doesn't use that. He doesn't go right. I've got loads of time on the ball. I'm just going to take it easy. He gets the ball. He plays it one you know, first time or two-touch, and he, he's always looking to play, he's always looking to get on the ball, and that's something we've lacked in midfield, and the ideal situation for me would be to be buying players, for example, a, t- a profile like Warrington, who is comfortable getting on the ball in midfield, but then allow Warrington to go on loan, because the, ch- the chances of a player coming straight from Tramia to play Premier League football is very slim. And as much as I'd love to see it, I, I really would love to see the likes of Warrington, Price, Dobbin come in and just play for us and just be, you know, make have the impact that Gordon did, for example. The chances of it happening are so slim, Not, nothing to do with how good they are as a youngster. It just doesn't happen. You know, it, they have to take time to adapt. They have to go out and gain experience and you know lots like of Isaac Price, Dobbin, uh, Reese Welch they haven't had that experience out on loan so I think you know players like that obviously Warrington's had his Tramley alone but they need to take that step up and I just think as much as I'd like to see it I think we will be su- you'll be surprised to, you know, uh, to see them um, in the first team come August I think if they impress over the next few the few weeks, then, you know, there's, there's a possibility. But, um, you know, there may be a chance that Lampard thinks, right, we don't need to go out and buy a replacement, you know, a, a backup holding midfielder, for example, or another number eight, because we've got Isaac Price. But, yeah, like I said, I just wouldn't get my hopes up as an Everton fan to, to be seeing these players because it's not the right way to manage them in my opinion, um, but obviously Lampard makes the decision and realistically, we don't see them train. We don't see them train week in, week out. We don't see them in the dressing room. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to tell, but, you know, every every football fan loves to see the the academy graduates come through and, and play well. You know, you can't help it. You know, Anthony Gordon's become a fan favourite, you know, even without scoring 20 goals. You know, he just has to work hard and show passion for the badge. And you know, you, you begin to love him. So yeah, I, I want them to succeed as much as the next person. Um, but I think the right step for now is to send a lot of these lads out online.
0: I think for the people who tune into obviously the free podcast and don't sign up to our Spotify, I think in relation to the youth, uh, the Bobble made an excellent point in regards to Anthony Gordon and obviously Rafael Benitez tenure for all his faults and negatives, throwing Anthony Gordon at the deep end last season was It worked wonders for the lad because, let's get it right, he obviously went on loan to Preston North End. That loan didn't work out. He couldn't get into the the team whatsoever. And he came back last season. And I hold my hands up. I I said that he should have another loan. He should go out, that there's no place. And, God, he proved me wrong. He came in. He worked hard, got his head down. And he's earned, obviously, the Everton number 10 shirt. And good on him. Good on him for coming back, getting stuck in. Working hard and training, because what, obviously I'm good friends with the Bob and he says Anthony Gordon is one of the best trainers at Everton. He leaves everything out there. He gets stuck in. He works. He's always first in, last out, loves the club, loves coming to training, just loves football. At the end of the day, these kids are human beings. They they obviously, they're going to be used and developed properly. And that's what I want to see within our academy, our under-23s and under-21s, which is obviously what they're called now, should I say. I want to see business decisions to benefit them as players, not benefit the, the set-up, the academy, but benefit them, choose the right loans to go out. You look at Jared bramthwaite has got left at home for the obviously, pre-season tour to the US, but there's obviously quite advanced talks with PSV Eindhoven for him to go there, who like to play football, like to get the ball on the floor. And that's going to prove, obviously, vital experience to the likes of Jared Bramfraig, who, within Everton Football Club, they don't see him as being that comfortable on the ball. So if you can find the loan for these players, to develop the attributes of them, for them to come back to Everton Football Club as a better player, that will save us so much more money. It could be next year, Yerry Mina's contract runs out and he doesn't find a suitor this summer, and he leaves the football club on a free. Another, let's say, a, a sign that potentially didn't work out, and Jared Branthwaite has got this experience at PSV, comes in and he slots straight in as the third, fourth choice centre-half, and He's come. He's obviously playing on the floor. He's looking out for the the midfielder. Hopefully, we signed a six or at least a central midfielder that drops deep into the hole to play better football. That's what I want to see within this club. I don't want to be seen to keep hold of these players to benefit the, the, the under 23s. Because look, we don't have parades, we don't have crowd gatherings for winning the under 23s. I want to see Everton win trophies. I want to see them used as a business to develop these players, develop these humans and ensure that they have really successful careers going forward. Maybe not at Everton, but wouldn't it be nice to see these players generate a bit of profit for Everton so we can improve the first 11, and they go on to have wonderful careers? That would be so good to see. Obviously, we all want these graduates to come through, save us money in the long term, and literally walk into the first team. But sadly, it's football, and it's not always going to happen. So we can have some sort of business model to obviously emphasise the fact that we can generate money like other teams, sell some of these assets and obviously improve the first 11 that summer. That's what I want to see. And that's what something we spoke so passionately about for those who obviously don't listen to the Patreon episode. But Matt, one more topic to come to you. How imperative is obviously pre-season? What do you want to see out of it, Matt? Do you want to see the results or do you want to see some sort of style of play and tactics?
1: Well, results mean absolutely nothing. Obviously, just using an example for me, I'm I'm coaching at the moment, and we're we're targeting bigger clubs to play against. So you know, it's all a learning experience. We're happy to lose six nil, but we want to work on a a system, and we want to work on the tactics, and that's what um, we need at Everton to be looking at. You know, I don't care if we lose four nil against Arsenal. Uh, on Sunday night, as long as we're we're working on things and we're giving youngsters a go, we, we're taking a look at different players and different positions. And, yeah, we need to... Obviously, we saw multiple different formations last season. Um, but listening to uh, Lampard's interview earlier today, he mentioned about how he had to take risks. He had to, you know, revert from his usual style. And he, he said he has no... Um, he he, won't apologize for that because he had to do it, and you know it wasn't pretty at times. But you know he he made the right decision, and ultimately it got us it got us you know survival. So yeah, he mentioned about this summer being able to right grab these players and say right we are playing this sort of style now. So it would be nice to see us stick to this one formation, continually work on it, identify the positions where, OK, in this system, this player doesn't work there. You know, we need to strengthen this position for this system to work. And that's what I want to see now is a bit of consistency in our formation, in our system. Obviously, you have to tweak it against certain clubs and things like that. But you have sort of the, you build the sort of building blocks and we need to start off now this preseason trying to build our philosophy and Lampard's philosophy and you know, we can start to see that is Warrington good enough to play in the six for us next season or be an option? Is Isaac Price able to cover for Alan and Decoré in the box to box role? Can Alice Sims play, you know, as a as a backup to Dominic Kavaloen? Can Lewis Dobbin you know come in and, and rival Anthony Gordon and Damari Gray and possibly start on the on the right wing or the left wing or you know? If not, we need to find these lads some loans. You know, is Nathan Patterson ready? You know, Seamus Coleman struggling with injury at the moment. Is Patterson ready? Or are we going to have to play five at the back and, and, and use someone else as a wing-back? You know, it's all these questions that we need to identify because we don't want to be coming to Chelsea on the first game of the season going, right, what is our what is our system here? You know, oh, we're just going to risk this player here. You know, is Gabanin ready? Is he fit? Is there a future for him? You know I think that's why these these sort of players have been taken because you need to now see do we need to strengthen in these certain areas. But yeah, the the, the results to me don't matter. It's, you know they they're all fit lads anyway. A lot of the time, I think the old school pre season was, you know, ninety nine percent fitness because they've been boozing all, all summer. But you know, a lot of the lads have as you lads have mentioned, you know, the lots of Ali and and, um, and Warrington have come in in tip-top condition. I can almost guarantee they're all at a pr- pretty similar level. You know, it's not like the old days where you know you sort of lose a lot of fitness. I think they all come back in, in ridiculous shape. So, yeah, I think that the uh, the majority of, of the time will be spent working on shape and things like that um, over sort of worrying about results um, or or too much on fitness. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I want to see more than more than anything.
0: And there we have it. Another episode from A View from the bottom. Once again, thank you so much for Matt. Matt Smith for coming on for Tactically Matt on and Give him a follow. Really good insight, really good analysis and a real good bloke to follow on Twitter. Uh, more from this week. We're going to be looking to obviously get a few more articles out. Um, a few more amazing guests lined up for our Patreon service. If you don't sign up Give it a go, have a little listen. It might be something you fancy, it might be something you don't. But as always, have a brilliant weekend, a brilliant week. Stay safe and all the very best. Good good night.